Sunday Puncher Podcast. I have Fred here with me. Fred, say hello. Hello. All right. Easy with the cheerful demeanor. Uh, my name's Angelo. I'm your host. We are... Thanks for clicking on us, whether you're a subscriber or not. This is your first time. Maybe you're here to hear us talk about Jake Paul because you love Jake Paul and you know you tuned into boxing or maybe you're a grizzled veteran and you're like I know these guys are definitely got nothing good to say about that event last night uh what however you came to the podcast thank you so much for listening we hope you enjoy it let's get right into things Fred you doing all right on this uh at least for us warm Sunday afternoon uh yeah it's a little cold here was all right well that's what you get when you live in rural Canada yeah I know it's fucking we're, we're having a shitty april so far Starting i live in beautiful southern california so you know yeah but fucking you know it you know you 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 i'm not paying a million dollars for fucking one bed yeah but my house looks a lot better than yours i'll tell you foot. that and i also don't have to drive 45 miles to go to the uh market like you do the fuck the- <laughs> don't mean? start with me okay your your uh your cousin who runs farther. the local the local uh market that has three aisles like that don't count okay so let's start I with this count. chiller card last night you know we had a lot of boxing but let's start with the chiller card and whenever you're gonna give some constructive criticism to someone or before you want to slap the taste out of someone's mouth for a good reason you want to start with the compliment so let's see if any, there may not be any, but let's see if there's anything good that you had to say about the Triller card last night. So I'm going to give you the opportunity to say if there are any good stuff you have, and then we'll talk about maybe things where they could improve, to say the least. So anything good for you? Uh, I really like the rap supergroup. Um, Ice Cube, Snoop, Too Short, E-40. Okay. Okay, because that's a that's a new super group. Eh? I I just learned that last night. Really? Yeah, yeah. I guess they're they're like you know they formed a group together, so that's why that's what that was all about. All right. I'm I thought that was that. really fucking good. I'm down yeah. for that. I'm not lying. Because when they had that Saweetie on, which is just fucking awful, you know. It's just oh, just like, don't don't talk about my girl like that. I'll slap the fucking uh, taste out your mouth. <laughs> yeah, I've seen Quavo slap the taste out of her mouth already. <laughs> Oh, we're off to a good start here. <laughs> hey, I didn't hit it. You know. Uh yeah, but it was like she did one of her songs that was like used blow the whistle. And then I'm like, man, wouldn't it be good if a fucking two shirt actually came out and did this? And then he did, and I was happy. Hmm. But that was it. All these old fucking all these old ass rappers had live mics. Everybody else had fucking was doing fucking pre-recorded shit. Um, yeah. except for the Beebs, but I didn't listen to the Beebs. I don't know, was the Beebs live? Uh, well, to be completely honest with you, I muted the, um... Oh, you muted the Beebs? I did not care for any of the concerts. I don't care about that. Because, I, I, I don't know, this may be a novel was- concept to the people who were putting on this card, but <laughs> when I tune in for a boxing match, I don't care about music. If I wanted to watch a concert... I'd either go buy a ticket to see it, which we can't do right now in COVID, but there are a number of opportunities to see sort of these pseudo live performances, whether they be on some streaming platform or anything like that, or I'll go to YouTube, but that's when I want to watch music. But I come to a boxing card 
to see boxing. And granted, there was only one legitimate fight on this card, at least by my recollection. And that was also the least... That was the least legitimate uh, contest, but we'll get to that in a bit. I do want to say this, though. If we're going to say something positive about it, and I don't know that you'll agree with me, but I actually, you know, the the big takeaway from the Tyson and Jones event, which was by all accounts better than this one. Let's start there. But the one thing that people really liked from that uh, event was the commentary. People thought that it was so cool to have commentary that really sounded like just people that were genuinely enthused and had no real idea what they were watching, but they knew that they enjoyed it. And so you had Snoop Dogg's level of commentary where it was so casual, and yet it was like, I don't know, it was infectious in in its enthusiasm. Now this time around, I actually think the commentary had a completely, completely different aim, and I can respect the aim. I, I think that they've come to the conclusion that outside of the main event, no one cares about the boxing. And that's why pe- people do not watch these for boxing. How do I know? It almost reminded me of like, you ever like vacuum your house and you put something on to listen to so that your real attention could be on what you're listening to and your arms are just mindlessly vacuuming the rug. Well, that's what the commentary was to the fights last night. The fights was you vacuuming. But the commentary was you actually giving your attention to that because it completely overshadowed what was happening in the ring. They really regarded it as like, you know, that is the secondary uh, that is a secondary thing you should be paying attention to here because that commentary was clearly far more interesting than anything that happened in the ring last night, except for one part in which we will get to. Uh, But that's what I'll say. Like, if that's the aim, cool. They succeeded. I don't have any issue with it. Um, as a concept, the execution, on the other hand, uh, yeah, the I'll concept. let you take over from here. I'll let you take yeah, over from okay. here in terms of the execution. Okay. I could, I could sort of see what you're saying with the concept, but the execution was fucking awful. Like you said, that's the thing. Okay. With Snoop Dogg before Snoop Dogg is ever Snoop Dogg comes off as a goofy uncle or whatever type, you know, but Snoop Dogg's a really smart fucking guy. Snoop Dogg you comes know. off as Snoop Dogg. That's really what yeah. it is. And that's it. Yeah, he's Snoop Dogg. You know, but but he's he's like he's not a he's not a clown. You know, he can be clownish and he can be relaxed, but he knows what the fuck he, he's doing. Uh these other guys, I thought it was uh kind of embarrassing. Like Ray Flores is swearing for no reason. Like I get that you you would sort of want to downgrade and be relaxed, but it really came off like a bunch of guys that were getting paid money and they had no fucking idea why they're getting paid money. It, it comes off uh, as the worst. A lot of people are, weren't a, like young enough or old enough to remember how the dot-com era was, you mm-hmm. know, but maybe they might remember, you know, 2007. This is this is the kind of vibe I was getting where a lot of sweaty Swindler money is flowing around. No one knows why why it's happening, but they're not going to turn it down. And that's what the whole fucking night seemed like to me. You know, the execution is really shitty if that's what they're going for. You know, and I don't disagree. That's not what they were going for. But it was really a fucking step down because it's like sort of, hey, wasn't Snoop Dogg great? And you go, yeah, because he's fucking Snoop Dogg. He's an entertainer. He's been entertaining for fucking I don't know what now. 
20 years. He's still relevant because you can put yeah, him on anything and he makes it, he makes everything better because he's Snoop. Yeah. He he's got a brand to him. Yeah. He, he knows how to sell anything. He's a salesman. And the rest of the clever guys weren't. And that was the problem. My issue with the, um, my issue, I guess, is like, this is, it did not come off like we were watching a sport last night. Nothing was like, it, it just did not have the vibe of a competitive sport. And I don't know that it seems like that's what they want, but at the same time, they're not paying it the respect. And I, and I'm, I'm really cognizant of the fact that as boxing fans, we tend to reject everything. Okay. We tend to reject anything that's new and we've seen it time and time again. You know, you look at, look at the, the reaction that PBC got where they tried so many different things. They tried to add sort of like a WWE style, you know, you had, um, yeah, but, but those, boxing boxing did that kind of entrances before. I, I and, and WWE it, adopted it, and everyone was like, "Hey, they're taking WWE stuff." It's like, what? No, <laughs> you know. But WWE so I fucking I, elevated it. I'm saying know? that because it's like I, I'm trying to balance, like, make sure that yeah. my take isn't just being like the old guy who's like, "Yeah, I'm a fan of boxing, and I don't like anything that's not like boxing." But at the same time, I actually just didn't really enjoy it last night. You know, yeah. the, no. the only one on commentary that seemed like they were like, nah, I'm still going to treat this like we're watching real fights here was Mario Lopez. Do you know how bad it is when you got Al Bernstein, Ray Flores, who are two experienced commentators who are actually and they are not the ones who are treating this like it's real boxing. Like yeah. Ray Flores tried a little bit and Al Bernstein tried a little bit, but they just completely bought into the whole we're just here to have a good time and not actually act like these fights here are um, real official sanctioned fights. Who is that weird guy with the big blockhead on the end? Uh, I don't know. I was wondering that too. <laughs> I have no he didn't even that. say that much either. No, like I said, I'm not going, Oh, this is terrible. The box, I, but people have tried this shit before, you know, Jay-Z tried it when he tried to mix the music with the fights. HBO you know, tried it when they did, uh, was yeah. it KO, KO Nation? KO Nation, yeah. We, we've seen this tried before. Like, I'm like, if they were going for a more relaxed attitude, uh, they failed that. <laughs> it, it just, to me, it just came off as a bunch of guys trying to grab as much money as they can before the shit blows up. You know, to, to me, That's it looks like somebody had like looked at, like, okay, well, what made Jake Paul popular? They're like, okay. Let's just do that for four hours or however long the broadcast was and try to like get like YouTube clout. But they don't you know, if you ever watch YouTube Jake Paul popular, you know. Well, I mean, Jake but Paul that's popular the thing. fucking Disney. <laughs> so. That's look, they, they they tried to take the model of what goes viral, and that's really what the, it all boiled down to to me is like, okay, everything about this event is trying to get viral moments and viral clips. But this, so, this, yeah. this is what pisses me off about these people. Like, well, you know, you got to build your brand. They act like these guys are fucking, they're naturals. They weren't. These guys are products of fucking massive uh, media companies. You know, there were thousands upon thousands of fucking Jake Pauls out there. And he's the one that survived. You know, there's a handful of these guys. And you saw when Disney bought that Maker Marks, uh, Maker Studios or whatever. They had to write it down. You know, after two years, it's like, oh, wait, this is all fucking bullshit, smoke and mirrors. You know, and so they just sort of cobbled together the few people that survived and actually worked. 
you know, and that's what it is when people go, oh man, see, pay attention, boxers. This is how you build your fucking brand. You're looking at the one guy, you know, like there's like a handful of uh, YouTube people that actually fucking matter. You know, there's a lot of like there's big guys, guys with millions of followers, but most people don't give a shit. You know, most of these guys are in studios. They spend most of their money that, you know, people say, oh, they make so much money. Most of that's spent on production because they got to hire an entire fucking staff to constantly do this stuff. They jump from fucking drama to drama to, you know, and good on Jake that boxing he found is a new thing because he tried rap. He tried fucking, uh, you know, prank videos. He tried everything. Let's play videos. These guys are constantly scrambling to keep themselves relevant. And then people you see in boxing going, oh, man, look how great they are. But actually, it's like, this is why you're fucking, these people are fucking dumb. And it annoys the piss out of me when they well, attack fans who give a shit about business. It's like, I, I know how these fucking people got popular. And it's from fucking a bunch of companies losing fucking hundreds of millions of dollars. And they've got a couple guys that are popular out of that. Well, you know? if you really think about it, like the, the funny thing is the whole boxing take note movement right yeah where it's like oh you you know look at the what jake paul did and do what he did because it would help the sport and it absolutely would not because you have to realize that you don't i mean you you touched on a little bit of it but like really in a like if we just look at what jake paul's done and we remember the context here is well how could a fighter do what jake paul's done so that they can also be as popular because let's be real here if you look at somebody like regis progray who was on the undercard regis progray can talk he, I, he can talk, Jake Paul can talk his ass off. Like, make no mistake about it. The guy's successful for a reason, okay? And Regis Progray can do that too. But the but the difference is that Jake Paul has worked his ass off to get to where he's at as a YouTuber. And what that requires is doing a bunch of stuff that would make him better for YouTube and better as like whatever level celebrity he has. You know what Regis Progray has to do? He's got to train. Yeah, he's okay. Fucking go to the gym. There, like Jake Paul has maybe the the skill level at what he does. That that the same level of skill he has is probably like the same level of skill that Regis Progray has in a boxing ring. Which is to say, Jake Paul's a celebrity. He's not the biggest celebrity in the world. He's not the biggest earner in the world. But he's, he's the biggest a, YouTuber. But he's up there, and he's in the, he's in a conversation, and that, that's no the thing. You you can't you you just can't be that way. Like Ryan Garcia is an interesting one where he's somehow been able to to bridge the two. But how many have done that? There's literally one so far. Virgil so Ortiz is bigger than Ryan Garcia at the gate. Now that's a different thing, though. Like has that translated yeah. so far? See, no, it's fucking bullshit about you know they they gotta build up their YouTube brand. Ah, fuck all. It's just like pay attention to actually what happens with these fucking guys. You know, these are giant fucking teams. You know, there's not some dude. They aren't live streamers, even live streamers. Now, and this is the weird thing too, where people talk about, oh, we'll see Jake Paul's his popular. His fans aren't live stream fans. So all these bullshit numbers that are now always come out after all their events about how hugely popular they are. Their fans, no one gives a fuck about what Jake Paul's doing this moment. They watch him because he's post-production. You know, he's not like, you know, Summit 1G or Shroud or Ninja. Those guys who are actual live streamers. You know, XQC that gets 100,000 concurrent viewers at any one time when he streams. 
you know, it is the, they aren't these guys. No one's tuning in live to watch what Jake Paul's doing up there. And they tried, they tried to be live streamers because Twitch sort of pulled them over for a while. They paid them and they fucking all bombed because they don't have the, per they don't have personalities to be live. You know, they're really bad at it. If you've ever seen them go extended periods, having to talk live, they're kind of horrible at being personalities. They're really good at being produced personalities. So, so see. boxing had one of the greatest fucking pr promoters before and, and as a boxer. His name is Floyd Mayweather. And what did fucking boxing do? All the pundit shit on him that he wasn't really popular for fucking years. So it just, I don't know. It just, that's what it fucking annoys me. I mean, when you have somebody like Chris Mannix who uh, has just changed the line of whether or not social media following matters, you know, when it, it did, but then it didn't, and now it does again, and then it doesn't again because Jake Paul's not fighting on the platform that uh, employs him. Yeah, you know, but, yeah, but now he sucks. <laughs> but but the thing is, like, the numbers will tell you, and not the numbers that they're lying about, which they say 1.6 million buys or whatever it was. There's no shot that that was actually true. <laughs> yeah, suddenly Fight TV has fucking a bigger infrastructure than Twitch. Like, where'd that come from? So, um... Anyway, let's talk about Oscar De La Hoya on commentary. That was maybe like if we look at everything we've seen in the past 12 months on TV for boxing, that's got to be the worst thing you've seen, right? Uh, that was actually it made me sad. It actually was depressing. You know, I know a lot of people found it funny. I didn't because I used to be a fucking huge Oscar fan. You know, this dude was set up for fucking success as a boxer, as a promoter, and he's just, it, it's fucking sad, you know? Here's this dude who, he, <laughs> he became one of the biggest, he went from being one of the biggest boxers to being one of the biggest promoters to now promoting a fight on fucking Triller, and he's drunk and high off out of his fucking mind. A dude with massive substance abuse problems you know, who's now pretending he doesn't have any, you know, he fucked up his career with his cocaine and booze. He fucked up his promotion with cocaine and booze. And now he's going back into the ring. And that's a weird thing. You know, yeah. Okay. It's fucking hilarious. To see Oscar out of his fucking mind, but he's also going back to fight, you know, and this is where the, 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 the boxing Twitter annoyed the fuck out of me because these are the same people that sit there and they always cry about when boxers get hurt and, oh, my God, the sport. It's, just, it's so tough to be a fan. And then yet they're laughing about this guy who's going back into boxing. Oh, look how funny Oscar is. And they're not saying, what the fuck? Why are they even letting Oscar anywhere near this? You know, I said this before. Oscar has no adults around him anymore. Everyone around him is just a fucking leeching on him for money, you know, because he's keeping the fucking show going, you know, and no one, no one has the fucking balls after all the money they've gotten out of Oscar to say, hey, Oscar, you have a fucking problem and you got to take care of it. You know, that's what really fucking got to me because, you know, Oscar, Oscar could have been, you know, a major figure and now he's just a big fucking joke. You know, and he's he's so deluded. This is the delusion that Oscar's always had throughout his career. You know that that uh, that fighter mentality of being the best. Oscar turned that into delusion, and it's just, it's just you know, motherfuckers. He's just me, and you know, 
I'm a dude who turned a Twitter gimmick into being drunk, you know, and saying dumb shit. I never show up to work drunk, you know, and that's essentially what Oscar's doing. You know, he's showing up to work fucking out of his mind. And people are just laughing, going, oh, Oscar, that was fucking awesome. You know, it's no, it wasn't. This dude, this dude could have had a hundred million dollars from PBC to be the face of PBC, like what Tom Goosen's doing now. You know, he all, you know, sure, he he wouldn't be making the top money anymore, but he'd still be Oscar. Still would have been the Golden Boy brand. Oscar and Richard Schaefer working together, putting on the events, being the front people, getting out there, Oscar be his face out there, you know, getting the respect, still acting like, yeah, he's the man. And he's like, no, they're stealing it away from me. And now look at him. He's got nothing. Dazen stole fucking Canelo off him. You know, by not funding him for the very same fights that they're putting on now. And Oscar's actually trying to make better fights than the fucking shit that Dazen's paying for now. You know, and, and so that's why I didn't find it funny. It's just, it's just, it's fucking depressing. You know? Yeah, Oscar is clearly not in a good place. Um, and it's like, this is a serial thing. We've seen this happen before. You know, if you remember back in 2013, before Canelo's biggest fight of his career with Floyd Mayweather, Oscar just disappeared midway through the promotion. <laughs> he had to check himself into rehab. Yeah. Because the guy has, has a problem. And, uh, I mean, maybe it was exploitative last night to keep him on commentary, you know. But at the same time, like, the whole commentary team was drinking. And, like, I get that's what they were going for. We want a loose sort of production where the guys are just saying what they feel and all that stuff. But it's, it's I don't know, it's, you got to understand what you're dealing with there. And it's not their job to be the adult in Oscar's life. But my God, that was just really embarrassing. Uh, um, but I would argue against that because a lot of those guys are taking money from Oscar. You know, Mario Lopez, Mario Lopez gets a lot of money from Oscar for doing like his fucking podcasts and your shows here and there. You know, he's got a lot of money out of him. So at some point, you know, other guys like Steve Kim, the whole fucking ring employees, you know, at some point they should be, they, should, you know, if, if I had a boss who was fucked up all the time, you know, I wouldn't just sit there and keep taking the money and wait until it blows up. You know, you got to have some fucking sympathy for the dude and say, hey, you're really uh, fucking up. Yeah, but there's that's it. There's no adults anywhere in Golden Boy anymore. Well, all, all the guys remember, like, and this is Oscar vilified Richard Schaefer, you know, and this is the shit Richard Schaefer was having to put up with when he's trying to put on fucking, you know, uh, pay per views where there's like a hundred million dollars on the fucking line, and this is what he's dealing with, you know, and this is so that's what fucking annoys me too is that everyone's laughing. Same, a lot of the pundits who pushed that whole Al Heyman's the devil fucking line when Oscar was saying it or now laughing at all. It's like, what? This is, it was fucking embarrassing for all of you. But going forward, I am going to goof on Oscar. So I'm a bit of a hypocrite myself. You know? But last night, the, the, the fan of me, the old Oscar fan of me, just found it really fucking uh, depressing. You know? Because it's just like, Jesus Christ, Oscar, you've been fucking up. He fucked up his boxing career. By you know, he just like, he fucked up everything by being high, you know. 
at some point it, it, it stops being a fucking fun, you know? Um, yeah, I don't, I don't have anything else to say that I, I just thought it was embarrassing. Yeah. The fights themselves, I, I don't know if it was the, because the commentary was not very engaged, but all the fights last night were just poor. Uh, the gray <laughs> yeah, fight, which should have been a, a solid one, it just was flat the whole time. And that commentary was more distracting. And that's why I, I kind of came to the conclusion that I did about the commentary, where the commentary was actually the, the focus. That's the product, not yeah. the fight. Because the fight seemed to be in the background of my like the reaction that they were trying to get out of having that commentary team, and uh, the right the program fight should have been good, but it wound up being what I thought was completely forgettable. And then to top it forgettable. off, forgettable. It wasn't Red, forgettable at fuck at all. Ivan Redcatch took a dive. Well, I was getting to that point, and then we get to the end where you know if if program would have knocked him out, it would not have been as significant. As seen, Redcack, um, he did get hit with a couple of low blows at some point during during the round. But then, on a shot that did not hit anywhere didn't near land. the uh, the genitals, um, you know, maybe the wrist hit the side, his side. But your side <laughs> no, is not it, where it a low blow it. is. It, 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 it cuffed it. Progray's right hand curled. Into that's what I'm saying. Red Maybe his body. wrist. No, because like no, his because, side. Yeah, but Red Catch's the punch left didn't land. There. No, it didn't land. Nothing landed. Unless no, his wrist certainly throw. landed on him. They made contact with each other. I'm trying Dude, to say that there barely. was some sort of contact that was like wrist to <laughs> yeah, like side no. or something. What but is, there is was fucking, no. Yeah. It was not a punch. There was no I'm, punch connection that you you know you you know what you normally think of as a punch. There that that did not happen. And it was nowhere near the low blow area, but Progray unless, goes down to the ground. Progray is channeling this chi energy or some shit. Unless that was fucking that whole I've, thing was fucking suspect. I've never heard of this, okay? <laughs> but it's possible. I've heard of like left hooks to the body having um, a delayed effect. I never heard of that happening uh, on the low blow, but <laughs> yeah, maybe no, we were on a fifteen second delay because I can't delay. explain what we saw. <laughs> I, I can easily explain it. The motherfucker took a dive. They they better shake the boxing bets to see if who bet on a KO for Progray. Because I'm pretty sure Ivan Redcatch probably laid down a lot of fucking bets on that. Because that was it. Progray, to me, the fight didn't look like Redcatch was really getting hurt either. You know? It looked like, to me, that fight looked like it was going the distance. No one was really hitting each other with bombs. You know, Progray had a couple of shots, but he's not a big monster. And then suddenly he throws his fucking punch that doesn't land. And you thought someone fucking shot Red Catch in the balls or something. And that, that was, and, and, this is, and now you see this is, this is the problem. So the whole thing with Triller is that they're trying to do the Eddie Hearn shit where you just buy any voice that might point out how shitty your stuff is. Cause no one is talking about how Ivan Redcatch took a fucking dive. And these are the same people you'll see on like boxing, Twitter and punditry, you know, and whatever, everyone's got their outlet, you know, just like us, they'll constantly rant about judges scorecards and shit. And there's silence on Ivan Redcatch taking a fucking dive. And it's just like, what the fuck's going on people? Cause that was clearly a fucking dive. 
know, there's no way you could say it wasn't a fucking dive to me. I I don't know if I don't know what he was thinking. I don't know what he was doing. Uh, Even if you're going to take a dive, no one's ever gotten knocked out and cried in the ring. Yeah, this is a dude. And remember, he he just came off a year suspension for biting, biting Danny Garcia. (laughs) You know, (laughs) I mean, there's really nothing else you can say. Like Red K, I don't want to accuse him of taking a dive, but at the same time, I don't know what else to call it. There's there's no way that's that was a fucking dive. Like what? What did he get hit with? The the only yeah. thing is like okay well I guess I could say good job on you Red Cat because you showed up you took a few punches um you danced you around for a little while and you got paid I mean yeah, what, what did he make half a million or something on that or I don't first? know what he made but it they overpaid <laughs> they paid okay. and like the, the I'm pissed that Tom wasn't on because he's all he was pumping you know hey progress you know he's turning it around Tom was super <laughs> mad at the commentary because he's like I can't watch this fight with this commentary <laughs> and I'm like yeah well what do you expect oh that was entertaining though that fucking dive I, do you think that they're actually committed to the sport like Triller on the whole uh, no uh, or no. how like how and long they don't do you have got to be. before uh, I, I think <laughs> the wheels start to fall off well see this is the thing uh and this is why the wheels might not fall off because just like dazing the with with the way the business world is now uh with interest rates uh so low there is so much money out there where people are trying to find a yield to anything uh bullshit like triller can get funding forever almost you know, they'll really have to start fucking up uh, for this to impact. So even something like Teofimo Lopez, which is probably going to bomb fucking hard, you know, uh, but of course they'll claim probably like 18 million pay-per-view buys. You know, that's not going to hurt them because they've got so much fucking dumb money out behind them. And that's what it is, dumb money. And, and this is what's weird. They're funding Triller. None of this shit's on Triller. You know, now this is Fight TV where they want to pretend that Fight TV went from fucking broadcasting regional fucking wrestling, like Division One wrestling, not even fucking, you know, WWE type wrestling. These guys are like broadcasting low level fucking cards to now they're saying that they can handle two million pay-per-view buys. Like, fuck off. It's, it just doesn't work. You know, I don't know. Take a, take a fucking computing course or something, you know. They are. Twitch starts to buckle, you know, at 300,000 concurrent viewers. And that's fucking Twitch. They're huge. The you know, Fight TV isn't. Everything the, about it is fucking fun. So, but that, I don't, they, they don't give a shit about boxing. They see this as, uh, this again is a hangover effect from Floyd versus Connor, where, you know, it's sold. So that's what they're pushing again. We can do it. Just like DAZN tried it, you know, whoa, with, with their YouTube things. And this is why the whole Jake Paul shit we know is bullshit because they had four of these fucking YouTube dudes on and they couldn't even break a million at the gate. And that's before pandemic. That's in L.A. That's it. You know, they didn't get they sold 9000 fucking tickets, you know, so don't don't hit me with this. fucking. these guys are massively popular, you know, and Peter Kahn even said he came out and said that uh, the fucking Paul shit on DAZN was a flop. You know, 
even yeah. after all, oh, it's huge, it's huge. These guys are huge. This is what boxing should take. And you got this guy coming up. Hey, uh, they didn't do it too good. We well, you, think we can do it better. But yeah, you have good. a service that was so desperate for a big win, so desperate for something that could deliver for them because their subscriber numbers are still paltry and it made no impact to have these YouTubers on. And I think the, you know, they're lying about the numbers right now. They're reporting it's like 1.5 which yeah, is like, absolutely like, insane like, that it off. didn't do anywhere near that. Now, how do, how do I know that? Because it's like, well, it's my word against theirs. Yeah, but the only difference is I'm only calling out, and, and I'm skeptical because Triller's been accused numerous times by for inflating numbers. Yeah, the, the so like, did do, a whole article on it, and they didn't deny me? it. Who's no, just pointing should... <laughs> out the, the that they are like, they have a history of inflating their numbers, or do you actually believe the same people who uh, the people who are reporting it? By the way, are a lot of a lot of the people at least are people that clearly were given money by Triller before the fight to pump the fight up. Clearly, Michael Woods had an affiliate link for the fight, as did Mike Carpenter. The, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, well Carpenter's working, but Michael Woods is also the one that led off with the. They sold 1.5 million. <laughs> it's like, it's like that's yeah, how okay, shitty buddy. boxing writing is. Is that these guys with affiliate fucking links are now also getting to put out articles about this shit? You know, it's just like fucking. You guys are they have no fucking credibility. Okay, well let's. They're, move they're, on they're to... making fucking IFL TV look legitimate. That's it's fucking sad. <laughs> Let's move on from all this thriller stuff and get into the fights from the weekend that actually. Oh, what you didn't even talk about the the main event. What is there to talk about? Jake Paul <laughs> has insane power. He will knock out Tyson Fury. He will knock out Anthony Joshua, and he'll steal their girls. Like, <laughs> what is there to say, guys? He's a novice. Yeah, They're... but see, this is this is what I enjoyed is that. Uh, you show what even like a weekend warrior in boxing can do. Like Ben Haskren was a professional MMA fighter, you know, for what I don't know, fucking a long time. He's old ass. <laughs> he gets dropped. The fight was funny because Jake Paul, that delivery, it was, it was, a, it was a classic setup, you know, left, right hand, but that right hand fucking <laughs> took about, you know, two years to fucking land. <laughs> And Ben Askren couldn't react to it in time, so I found that hilarious. The, I will. I did enjoy that fucking that moment. You know, I the thing that's awkward. funny is you have a guy in Jake Paul who's trained for like two years now in yeah. boxing. So you know he's he's actually like not just like a YouTuber like that just decided to pick up boxing. It's like no, no, no. He's actually like he, uh, he's the work, yeah, yeah. Like he's a professional boxer now. And yeah. having two, what does he have? Like two, three professional fights so far? This is his third. <laughs> that, that doesn't say too much about him, but he's actually training. You, he's obviously got very good trainers and stuff like that to teach him how to box. Um, and did, okay, the, how did Ben Askren look that bad as a, as a <laughs> former world champion in the UFC? Like, my God. Well, he, he wasn't champion in UFC. He was in one whatever he was, he was always he was always the big the, oh if they could only get ben Askren, but he got frozen out because he didn't get along with the their old ball buster uh, silva of the 
the guy who the guy who basically cracked the whip on all the fighters uh, do you think get along with Askren? so they he well never got signed but he was he was always the big hope oh man this guy this he was he was the best fighter not in the ufc and then he got in the ufc and he got knocked the fuck out i mean he looked terrible to me Did, i mean it's probably because he didn't train whatsoever i mean you look at his no, body no. it's like he has not done yeah. it. and the only training he did was when they shot the promotional stuff yeah yeah he he came in lumpy and, and that's the one thing with paul at least jake paul he's he's training you and he's a big fucking kid you know dude's like what six two or something six foot six two i don't know how, how big he is yeah like he's not like a tiny guy so if you you get hit by a guy who's putting in some kind of boxing training you know he's showing you're gonna get knocked the fuck out but what I did hate is that people are like, oh, you know, his fights aren't that far off of what most prospects do. It's like, come the fuck on. He fought a guy who opened up FIFA packs on YouTube in his debut. You know, there's some shitty fucking, you know, low level boxers. But a lot of those guys are the same level as Jake Paul. You know, they've, they've taken the training. So maybe give those prospects a bunch of fucking, you know, retired basketball players to fucking start their careers off with. Um, all right, let's. There's not much else to talk about here. Let's move on to production. Was shitty though too. I want to point that out. Uh, yeah, there's. The, the, I mean, they've got we really talk for weird, a few hours on yeah, the, the things that they absolutely. got wrong. But it's um, weird because they got so much money, and yet the audio is always fucking fading in and out and dropping. <laughs> it's just fucking terrible. Well, that, I mean that that's the thing. Like you, you need like production is not live production is insanely difficult. And there's a reason why, you know, Netflix is not getting into showing boxing. It's like, no, 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 you need to hire legit professionals. There's a lot of things that go into yeah. doing live programming. Yeah. Um, okay, Demetrius Andre, he returned and he had what should have been a, or at least I think was a routine defense of his WBO title against Liam Williams. Uh, Andrade got a pretty wide decision. Williams maybe took two or three rounds of the fight. Andrade might have been hurt like twice, maybe three times in the fight, but he also managed to drop Liam Williams in the second and uh, hit Liam Williams with like the most obvious uppercut like counter probably like 45 times in the fight, which speaks a lot to the skill level of one Liam Williams. So let me ask you this question. Were you impressed with what you saw from Demetrius? Uh, no. It, it was a typical Andrade fight. He tries for the first couple rounds, and then he just he looks for the fucking decision, you know. And but but no, it, 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 he's awful. He's really awful. awful. I mean, I don't know yeah. if I'll go that far. Ben Askren is awful. Uh, no, I'm saying he's awful for a world champion. You know, Mitra's Andre. He's a talented fighter, skilled fighter, but he's nowhere near as good as fucking Chris Maddox thinks he is. You know, no, Chris, he, Chris Mannix. Well, he's pushing. Actually, I'm not going to say like, my thoughts on Chris Mannix. It's like uh, you know, like like this is it. If Demetrius Andre got a fight with Jamal Charlo, he would get hurt with his fucking nonsense that he's on now. You know, he's fucking tying up Liam Williams. For fuck's sakes, <laughs> you know. Liam Williams isn't the cleanest. Liam Williams is fucking awful. You know, he, and here's, he, the, here's he the game. I Ed, didn't, Ed, I've never seen a fighter move their head less. <laughs> yeah. It's like Eddie Hearns clearing out any trash fucking fighter that he can get from, you know, the UK and Europe. 
and he's getting money from the zone to do this, you know. And then uh, uh, <laughs> the best part about that fight was fucking whatever the fucking Jody was doing in the post-fight interview. Um, <laughs> I I don't know, but I I will say like. Andrade has moments where it's like, oh, okay, this guy's, he's got some skills. You know, that uppercut counter that he was landing was really nice. You don't see too many fighters that are able to land that shot like the way he did and then continue to go to it. I mean, a lot of fighters just aren't, don't have the confidence to throw that shot because it does leave you open. And it, you know, you could also <laughs> attribute that to the fact that Liam Williams literally <laughs> had no head movement. But at the same time, like, I got to give Andrade, like, uh, there are things that he does that he does very well. He, he uses his length pretty well. Um, but, you know, like you said, he checks out of fights, really, and, or he loses focus. You know, the way it occurs for me is, like, he's a guy that he can do a lot of things. I, I don't think that there's anything in the ring that Andrade can't do or can't accomplish. But the issue that he has is I feel like he just never knows what he wants to do. And then he will find something and then just stick to it over and over again, whether it's like working or not. And clearly yesterday you could see he was committed to that uppercut. He thought he was going to knock Liam Williams out with that shot. And at the expense of doing other things that might have helped set up a knockout, he instead just kept spamming it and coasted to a decision. You know, let me ask you this question because you brought up Jamal Charlo. But I mean, I think we all can acknowledge and understand and know because we are not crazy people but that's a, a fight that's not th that is a fight that's difficult to make and as much as people like chris mannix want to cry about it and all that stuff and i'll talk about that in a bit but an easier fight to make would be gennady golovkin golovkin is clearly not the same guy that we've seen over the years he's not the great golovkin that nearly broke the the middleweight record for regular title defenses um but still golovkin has shown that there is some power behind those fists. So what do you think? If they were to make the fight, and for whatever reason they're not pushing to make the fight, but if they were, Andrade versus Golovkin, how do you see that fight going? I don't think Golovkin's faded enough to the point where he'd have trouble. Trouble? You think Andrade. trouble? So, no, so I... you think that, that, that like Andrade wouldn't even trouble him? Uh... Andrade, he could move around him a lot, but he couldn't, he can't land, you know, like, see, see that's the thing with Andrade, like I said, he is a very skilled boxer, but this is the same shit we've seen from him since we saw 10 years ago from Andrade, you know, he was good then at using his fucking length and distance, and, but he's, now he's fighting even worse guys, so of course he's going to look really good. It's, it what seems like, fuck was that? <laughs> it's a car. Oh, my it God, seems like. Andrade might be a little bit of a front runner. Yeah, yeah, but like I said, that, that's how his fights go. He comes out with power, and you go, "Oh my God, he's finally going to try to end the fight," and then he just hits that point where he's, "Oh, well, this is too tough. I'm just going to coast now." And then he's got the talent to coast. But it just, yeah, yeah, no, I, <laughs> see, that's tough because Golovkin is looking really fucking bad, you know. And if there's one thing I think Golovkin would really struggle with. It's a guy who's moving around the ring a lot. Yeah, yeah. Like, Andrade can do that. It, yeah, but Andrade, Andrade's not going to throw like uh, Berevianchenko did. You know, like we well, said, Berevianchenko just took the fight to Golovkin. Yeah, 
and see that's it like he was he was using a lot of movement and he was getting glove can spun around so andrade could do that but andrade wouldn't throw the same type of punches that would make glove can react to his movement it, it, it's yeah it's tough like that's a thing i think i'm right in the middle of that because i know glove can's really fucking faded you know yeah and i know andrade isn't he can still move but i don't think he'd commit with his punches enough no it, it, it'd be an interesting fight but they won't make the fucking thing you know they're both signed with eddie you know eddie's not making his own fucking fights you know he's, he's trying he's clout chasing as jamal points out yeah well let me speak on that because this is one of the things that really annoys me uh like not just in the situation but in all of boxing yeah you have a promoter like Eddie Hearn come out and Eddie Hearn is one of the worst things. I think one of the best and worst things that's happened to boxing. I think he's definitely done a very good job in, you know, the way he's promoted the UK and, and got a lot of guys, these opportunities and all this stuff, you know, that's, that's all well and good, yep. but the yep. culture around him has gotten, it's just so terrible. And like one of the things that, like the narrative, like if you guys didn't catch this, but the, the actual narrative from what they wanted you to think after the fight was that Andrade's issue is that Jamal Charlo doesn't want to fight him. Okay. Now that like, if we just take the essence of it, that's what it is. They're trying to tell you that Jamal Charlo doesn't want to fight him, which is not true, which is not based in reality, but there's a, a, a purpose there, but it also is kind of counterintuitive. Because what it is is an admission of like what we we are presenting to you is fucking shit, and we know yeah. you don't want to see it. Yeah. So why don't we shift the blame outside of us? Because we can't do anything wrong. It's the people over there. It's X, Y, and Z who don't want to fight. And it's like, no, bro. Why don't you fucking promote? Why don't you get the guys that are signed to you and say, hey guys, you got to fight each other. Yeah, look at what PBC is doing at one fifty four. Jermell Charlo, well, let's just look at the lineage of the titles there. It's like Jared Hurd uh, beats Lara. Hurd goes to fight J-Rock. J-Rock whoops him. So then he goes to fight Jason Rosario. Jason Rosario stomps him out. What happens next? Jermell Charlo, who is already a champion in the division, he's got to fight Jason Rosario. He smokes Rosario. Cassano went over uh, and got the title from Teixeira. And they brought Cassano back and they said, hello, you are now going to fight Jermel Charlo. Yeah. And that's because they have all the resources in house. Now, I understand that there, you know, if, if let's say Cassano was aligned somewhere else, it would have been more difficult, but you don't have that excuse. You got some real dogs at middleweight that they got over there. You got Jacobs possibly who can come down to 160 if the price is right, but you have two, like top tier middleweights in Andrade and Golovkin. You got to make that work somehow. Andrade was their very first signing for Matchroom USA. And then afterwards they signed Canelo, who at the time was fighting at 160. They they signed Golovkin, 160. Jacobs was already tied because he had the Matchroom USA deal already. Yeah, yeah, but exactly. But no, uh, Jacobs signed after Canelo. Well, no, he was already with Matchroom because of the HBO deal. Was he? Yeah. Mm, I Remember, they, they announced that on the Luke Campbell, Jorge Linares undercard. 
because mm-hmm. I was there. That one. Because uh, Canelo's claim was that uh, he, but he wasn't signed to the zone. No, 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 he wasn't. Yeah, Jacob signed with the zone. That's what I'm thinking of. He was signed with Matchroom, but he he wasn't signed with the zone. Yeah. But anyway, so they add all these fucking middleweights, and then they got Andrade, and then they almost did the Billy Joe Saunders fight. So okay, you know, props to that. You know, Andrade could have fucking saved the world from that if it wasn't for Billy Joe and his fucking you know uh, nostril fucking. Shit. But how do you follow that up with Luke Keeler? Yeah, but but then that's it. And then it's like, why isn't Charlo fight him? Why isn't Charlo fight him? Because fucking Andrade dropped out of a fight a week before it was supposed to happen. That's why. And he's like, fuck this guy. I'm not going to fucking do a fight with him again. Well, that was with Jermel. Yeah, but well, there's but I mean, the, the point is like, you okay, he's not Charles very reliable. Off. He pissed two Charles off. <laughs> You know what? That's it. Like he dropped on the language of Jamel. They're not going to give him the fucking fight. Well, but then there's the other thing of like he had the option to go and sign a deal with Showtime. Showtime was courting on Andrade with the goal of matching him up with Jamel Jamal Charlo, and Andrade said it on Chris Maddox's podcast. Like Showtime's not going to pay me to fight the Luke Keelers of the world. Yeah, and that's <laughs> absolutely true. Showtime's going to be like, no, nah, Luke Keeler. That's like you know you you we we're down, willing to go one level below. You went four. We can't do that, all right? Yeah. We'll show mismatches, and we do show mismatches, but not of that level. Come on now. Well, but that's it. And, you know, Eddie's trying to goof on uh, Montiel, who's Jamal's fighter. But it's like, <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> you just put on a fight with fucking Liam Williams. Ugh, I can't, yeah. It's uh, it's good for Andrade because he's making, what, $3 million a fight, I think? Fight this trash. So it's very good for him. He finally got, after fucking up his career... Like he could have been dead in the water forever. So good on him that he's recovered, but just stop at the fucking nonsense. You know, it's just you, they don't want Jamal. They want Jamal to sign with the zone, obviously, but he's not going to do that. Why the fuck would he do that? You know, they got loyalty to Al, and Al has loyalty to Showtime and Fox and whoever else will pay him. <laughs> so but that's it. They're like, no, Fox is promoting us. Showtime's promoting us. That's who they stick with. So, uh, I mean, but we, nonsense. see, it's just this level of promotion that I can't stand where promoters promote their fighters by saying X, Y, and Z are avoiding yeah. them. It's like, no, motherfucker, that is not it. Well, Eddie's, Eddie's been a massive failure in the U.S., you know? You, uh, he, you, why, he, but why do you take this, like, real, like, just loser approach? And that's what it is. Like, you, you got a loser mentality. Because now they're retreating. Eddie's done this since since he fucked up in the U.S. And for some reason, the zone's still giving him money. But now he's trying to sell to the U.K. crowd. So now that's all he gives a shit about is fucking going back and feeding the U.K. The don't crowd. care about Andre or Charlo for that reason. Yeah, but or for they, that, they, um, they love shitting on people that aren't in the U.K. So that's all he cares about. You know, Eddie knows how to service his fucking home fans. The only I mean, problem I, is, is now he's bringing all these guys that he built up in the UK and they're getting fucking demolished, you know, like embarrassingly. So like, like Canelo is going to fucking severely hurt Billy Joe Saunders, unless Saunders just spends the entire fight staying away from him. He's going to spend the entire fight staying away from him. Yeah. But I, I think Canelo is at, at the point where he can track you down now. <laughs> You know, um, not, this is an old school Canelo where he didn't like moving very much. You know, this is a new Canelo. He's going to fucking get him. 
and and then he's gonna blow apart a yet another myth that you know this guy has some fucking you know the josh kelly myth uh, i i think the the best course of action is they really should look to make that andrade and golovkin fight yeah but because... they have no fucking interest in it I, I understand that they have it. no interest Eddie in it. Doesn't, but... Eddie doesn't want to match his own fucking guys. And he's even said that, you know, he said, oh, PBC is holding things up. What the fuck? You got, you got Golovkin there. He's not doing anything. <laughs> Make the fucking fight. And Canelo just said, oh, he's not fighting Andrade because he's boring. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I actually no, don't think Andrade is that boring. Um, I've seen far more boring fighters. I I do because he could do it. It's like when uh, Lara wouldn't uh, wouldn't stay and land those extra two punches that he could very easily do. You know when that's Lara fair. still had his that's leg. Fair. You know Lara could have landed those extra two punches. That's all he needed. He still could have got out, but he would have been more action and he would have been good. But he played it way too safe. And that's what I feel with Andrade. You know, he plays it safe. He, he like I said, now he, he pushes at the start. Can I get this guy out? No, I'm going to fucking just retreat. I'm not going to play it safe. Yeah. Well, he's um, got, he, and like I said, he's got a lot more talent, but I call him awful because he's not using that talent to push anything. Yeah. I, yeah. I don't got anything else to say here. I do hope that they make that Golovkin fight though. I'd, I mean, Golovkin's not going to get another Canelo fight as far as I can tell. <laughs> no. So you might as well do something like, or just retire because I think he's yeah, sticking I around think at this point, for Canelo. I think, yeah, I think Andrade would be an interesting fight. Yeah. Um, yeah. Moving on to the Fox card. We had Tony Harrison. He ended a 16 month layoff and he fought Bryant Perella. Um, to a draw. Yeah. Were you shocked at the outcome for this one? No. Why not? Uh, because Harrison's uh, not exactly a spring chicken. He's coming off a long layoff. He lost his father, who was a big trainer. And he had COVID. He had COVID. And also, when he beat, you know, uh, Charlo. It's not like he fucking completely destroyed this dude, you know. Like he eked out a decision that you know was kind of up in the air. He was always, and then you know in the rematch he got fucking he got iced. So you know coming back from getting your ass beat, it's tough. So he had all these things on piling. So yeah, you, you can see it. The guy can be shaky. You know, I, I don't think he's a world beater. Like he's been beaten by a lot. He's had losses before, so. I think his story is good, but you can't confuse a fighter's story with his skill. Uh, and then the other side of it, I think Bryant Perella is a guy who's been a bit misunderstood. I think he's better than people realize. But, I mean, that was pre-fight. Better than people realize. Um, you know, he's obviously not, like, at, at the welterweight division. He's not going to give Errol Spence a run. But he might make things interesting for a few rounds. And so, but he moved up to 154, where apparently he was doing a lot to try to stay at 147. That was, you know, not not exactly detrimental, but it wasn't good. And um, now he goes to 154, where he looks a lot bigger. He looks stronger. And I, I think this was just a really bad style matchup for Harrison. I think it was a good matchup to put on TV because you got a competitive fight. 
But if as far as like, oh, do we want Tony Harrison to get a showcase here? Um, which is what so many people thought it was. And that's because people are very cynical about matchups where they don't necessarily uh, like them. They're, they're cynical about why it is that they're making them. But the reality was you got a very competitive and compelling matchup between two somewhat similar styles. And uh, I think the draw was fair. Tony Harrison, uh, to me, looked really flat in the fight. And there were about four or five rounds in the middle of the fight where it looked like Tony Harrison just had no starch on anything. And I was sitting there thinking to myself, hmm, are these the effects of COVID that he's feeling right now? Like, because he ain't throwing with nothing. There's nothing on these punches right now. He looked like Vito Melnicki. Or Vito. Yeah. So I I don't know where either guy goes from here. I don't necessarily know that a rematch is smart. But, um... Yeah, I, I don't have anything else to say. This was not the most entertaining card on Fox. Omar Juarez is, uh, you know, he got a really nice win. You know, he's on the rise. Um, didn't really turn it on until late in that fight. And then Vito Melnicki losing a fight in which he had no interest in winning. I mean, it's almost like he had to leave Joe Goosen's uh, camp because, I don't know, maybe he wanted to do things that would have him come out and be flat in fights. <laughs> well see uh, you gotta credit you. you 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 didn't really buy into this whole story well well you sort of questioned his uh desire i think is what you were going for yeah well no 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 i if i remember correctly and somebody will correct me on this because uh of course i can never be wrong about anything but um i said that i, I first questioned if you bought the excuse that they gave where he was homesick and I really wanted to believe that that was the case because, you know, mm-hmm. I, I was 18 once. And of course, like when I first got my first taste of freedom away from home, of course, the first thing I wanted to do was come crying home because I missed it, which I'm being sarcastic right now. If you're 18 years old and you're off on your own and, you know, you're a professional fighter. California is kind of a depressing place to be, though. In California. Yeah. <laughs> And, uh, you know, I, I maybe made a joke about a scene in The Godfather um, <laughs> when Michael's like, you slap my brother around? You slap my brother around? Because, um, you know, Fredo was banging cocktail waitresses two at a time. I thought, well, yeah, you know, Mo, maybe... Mo Green had to put him in his place. Yeah, you know, but th- the thing is, you don't slap Michael Corleone's... Uh, brother around well i thought maybe we had a little situation like that where you know maybe um young Vito was having a little too good of a time out in la and i can't blame him if he was uh, as an 18 year old with his first taste of freedom but uh we you know his first fight back in new jersey he won and he's got his second fight and he looked 100 flat and like i don't really want to talk about this too much uh more because it's like look an 18, 19 year old kid who just graduated high school lost a pro fight. <laughs> okay. 18. Cool. Yeah. I think, I think it's a case of maybe it, it's a lot for an 18 year old to fucking handle, you know, well, he's starting to get the buzz. Like he, he seems to have a pretty good head on his shoulders, but that's just it. He's flat, you know, wasn't really listening to his corner. So it's, it happens, but that's it. It's like the, the guy's fucking 18, you know, not every fighter has to be undefeated. So it, it's it's obviously a bump in the road, but again, he's 18 fucking years old. 
this dude's trying to step up as fast as he can. And that was it. He's like he's he's stepping up to experienced dudes. So you gotta give him that. It's not like he got his ass fucking destroyed, you know. It's not like he got iced. So yeah, poor Vito. I still I mean, think he. I, it, I think he. Uh, he. I think he. He can still be a force, you know. If if he just sort of uh, steps back, sort of figures out what exactly happened, you know. If he's just getting too distracted, um, I don't know if he's taking a dive for some family interests. <laughs> I will say this, um, and I've said this for what since 2018, when ESPN Plus, when when Top Rank announced like the 50 something, the 54 dates a year on ESPN, we knew uh, um, the, about the upcoming Fox PBC schedule. We knew that we had HBO, and then um, there was streaming services coming into the mix. I said, "There's way too much fucking boxing on TV. Way too much." Yeah. This is not going to be good. We are going to get a complete overexposure on the sport. Matchups will suck. Um, and we're seeing that. And like, look, I don't have any issue with Vito Melnecki. I think he's a good prospect. But in terms of he's got, he's going to be the poster child here from what I'm saying, which is like, this is overexposure. You do not need to see these fights. You're not supposed to. This is, I, I think you said it um, when I, I was talking about this one time. And I think you said this is a sausage getting made part of boxing. You don't want to see this part. You don't want to see these young kids, you know, unless yes, you're yes and no, because you know a lot of Floyd's early fights were <laughs> on fucking televised, and you know you wanted to see those. But yeah, yeah, it's it's. I think it's that this this dude was fucking fighting pro in high school. Well, so you might have you to slow down to see, a bit on him if you yeah. want to see th- this level of fight. And and there are people like me who want to see this level of fight. You should have to go seek it out. It should be available to you, but don't put it in the marquee is 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 my thing. And well, we've had yeah. everyone yes guilty no. of this. Everyone is guilty of this. Yeah. PBC, Top Rank, and all the other dudes, they are guilty of putting shit in the marquee because you know what? They have so many dates to fulfill that they can't deliver like actual things that belong in the marquee. And maybe I'm just holding this to a standard that I shouldn't. And this is the evolution of boxing because it's getting more popular uh, in in the mainstream. Which, haha, maybe, probably not. Uh, sure, okay. But, but this is what, but this is what people always wanted. They go, "We need more boxing. We need more boxing." Mm-hmm. Sometimes you don't. Yeah. <laughs> you know? But 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 again, this also uh, sort of kills the big myth that prospects aren't match tough. You know, uh, just, no. they, they, they're trying to shake out Vito, see what he's got. And they found a fucking issue with him. So now it's like, now you got to try to work this dude out. Hey, fucking B-Hop started with a loss to his career. It didn't hurt him. Um, okay, let's move on. We got news to talk about. And the big news for the week was that PBC rolled out at long last some fight announcements. We got nine cards announced. Uh, we already did a podcast on this on our Patreon where we fully went through the whole thing. We talked about what we like, what we don't like, um, and a whole bunch of other things we talked about. So if you want to go listen to that like fully, patreon.com slash Sunday Puncher. Now, what do you think about the um, the rollout? Were there any fights that really stuck out for you that like just got your juices flowing? Mm, I don't know, because I'm kind of fucking old and bitter about everything. Uh, <laughs> but uh, the, the Jermel fight, 
really stands out for me. You, you know? got, yeah, and I talked about that earlier, but Jamel Charlo and Brian Castano are going to unify all four yeah. titles at the 154 pound division. Yeah. What do you think about Tank's fight? Uh, he's fighting oh, a big boy yeah. at 140, and well, he's a little guy at 130. Yes. This, well, this is Floyd as a promoter. You know, this is what he's puts his guys through. He's like, you want to be the best? Well, we're going to fucking match it tough. And everyone says, ah, oh, you know, Tank had easy fights. He hasn't had fucking easy fights. You know, so now they're stepping him up, 140. Can he go? You know, they're they're putting him at a risk here. You know, of course, people are suddenly going to think that, oh, oh, this is a gimme fight or something. Just because it's Tank. It's not. It's like he's stepping up. Everyone else is, oh, he's got to fight fucking Ryan Garcia. He's got to fucking fight Devin Haney. And they're like, nah, we're going to put him in against a fucking, you know, man size opponent. He can always come down and fight these guys. So I think it's good. I, I think it's uh, uh, a really step up for a guy they want to keep on pay-per-view. It's like jump up fast because it's kind of what Floyd did, you know? Once Floyd started getting the bigger fights, he just he's buzzed right up to fucking 147, you know? He went to where the money was. So, yeah, I, I, th I think it's a really good matchup. But but I'm just saying for the uh, Jamel fight, it's because you know the whole wave was they're not going to make this fight, they're not going to make this fight, and they just fucking boom, it's made, you know? I'm not a bit, I'm not big on, oh, you got to have one champion shit or nothing. But as far as champion, it's like, boom, here's Jamel Charlo. You know, the, the guy, since losing to Tony Harrison, especially, he's on a fucking mission, you know? The he, he's not gonna let anyone try to say that he isn't the best at 154. And so now this fight will be well as far as champions are, he's got the chance to prove it. You know? I I think it's interesting that the opponent selection here is a guy who has a lot of the same physical dimensions as Ryan Garcia. Big, tall, orthodox fighter with some power. Don't you think that's yeah. uh interesting? Yeah, but obviously bigger. Don't you think it's interesting that Ryan Garcia is now f fighting his second southpaw in a row? Yeah, well, the, well, that's it. They're steering. They're obviously both sides sort of want to make that fight, but it's also it's not going to be on the zone. You know, <laughs> they're not fucking. They're not going to give up that money, and they're also not going to. Neither side is begging for it. I, th I think it's good. You know, they're the it, for all the chirping about fights i believe that uh tank and ryan garcia is one where both sides are like yeah let's just fucking we want to make this fight which is amazing given the old bad blood between you know floyd and fucking oscar so i i think that's a fight that it has to get made and and like those fights usually find their way you know jamal charlo and demetrius andre uh, you know you can love or both of them love one, love not love the other, whatever. No but one's looking the, for that fight. Exactly. The reason why that fight's not happening because not enough people care. Yeah. And I'm somebody who loves both of those. Well, I don't love Andrade, but I don't. I don't mind him. I think he's. I think he gets a little bit of a bad rap because he's kind of uh, a little odd. But he's odd. not a bad fighter, mean? huh? Odd. What do you mean odd? Have you never heard him speak? Did you see that post-fight interview? Yeah, <laughs> it was a a little bit cringe. 
but like I, I I'm I look I I'll take that over uh, like the whole say nothing athlete who like just says you know I'm out here to do my best and I tried and you know <laughs> I'll take I'll take Andrade's weirdness over that any day of the week. I don't yeah. give a damn about fighters being humble or anything like that because we all know what that is yeah. <laughs> implies. But you know I'll, I'll take that and but not enough people want to see that fight. No. Just and, like uh, Bud and uh, Spence. You know, again, another fight that I don't think enough people, people want to see. No, obviously not, because Spence still fucking sells out fucking, you know, crowds. The problem is Bud's got to get more than the <laughs> top rank's got to fucking sell him. You know. More people would want to see like, Spence yeah. fight Jake Paul than Terrence yeah. Crawford. <laughs> well, I think, I think, like... That's what it comes down to, you know. More Where people, you, more people will be interested in fucking Ugos than they'll be interested in whoever the fuck Terrence Crawford's fighting next. Well, you that's you make one assumption there that I'm not gonna tell you what it is, but you make one dumb assumption there. So was a, I'm not telling you, but there was a dumb okay. assumption that you made there. All I'm what saying is you guys may be surprised. Um, what you don't think Spence is fighting Ugos? We don't have to talk about what I think. You can't just fucking pretend you got secrets. I, why do we assume that he's fighting Ugas? Who else is he going to fucking fight? Brian Perella. <laughs> I'm kidding, guys. Um, all right. Uh, you know, I, one of the fights that I'm Maddie. sure... One of the fights that I'm sure that you're you know, not too keen on, but I think is a great fight is the Neri Figueroa fight. Someone is uh, going to get stopped there. Is, I was, was, was going to praise that one. See, what I like about that, even though I'm not a big fan of these weight classes, what I like is that they also got the, the future matchup too. Okay, yeah. That, see, that's, that's the thing. I, I'm really curious about that move there because we don't get that a lot in boxing. We don't get a lot of promises. And, and the reason why... Is because a lot of times I think it 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 um it creates a discussion of like uh, or or it compromises the integrity of the the qualifying matchup and but like so you never have fights where we have a promise or a guarantee of who the winners fight or yeah who the winners gonna fight next we got it here what are your thoughts on that well see I like it because it, it's like he's fighting the winner you know. They're they're committed. They're not committed to one fighter. They're committed to the winner. And they're like, "What? Well, that's another." Uh, it's what three belts will be on the line? Um, kind of. So well, the WBC is definitely going to be on the line. The WBA um, quasi is going to be on the line, and the WBO is going to be on the line. Yeah. So that's technically three belts. See, because it's not like, uh, well, if this fighter gets past this guy and then this fighter gets past this guy, then they'll mix. Like, that's it. It's either going to be Neri or Figueroa. You know, whoever wins is getting that fight. And that's what I like about it. So that's what's different. They're not They're not saying, oh, he's going to fight Figueroa. He just has to get past Neri. Well, let and me then Neri wouldn't get the fight. You know, it's like, boom, whoever the winner is, they're making it. So that's what I liked about it. My thing is like, are we sure that people care about this? 
Uh, well, here's the thing. I don't know if people care about it. I just like as as the way they structured it. I like that. And Espinosa's talked about this before, though. He says a lot more fights could be put out there in this type of style, but people just always feel that they got to not publish what fights they want to make and how they're trying to line guys up. And so he, so this is what I like is that this is, I, I believe Espinosa, this is like, this is kind of his vision to say, hey, let the people know what's coming up. You know? See, part of me thinks that you do this because it's the lighter weight classes and they do need a little bit of help that say the welterweights well, don't need. Definitely, yeah, definitely. Yeah. But the other thing is like, I don't know how, like how much, how self-serving this is because I don't necessarily think that it makes any difference to say, oh, and the winner is going to fight this. Like, yeah, it places importance to people who actually keep up with the, the, the breaking news of boxing, but that is a very small subsection. I don't know if you saw the report uh that got got put out about like how many people actually like what percentage of people who are like viewers are are at, or i think it was more like what percentage of of voices that are actually like the 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 dominant voices in like any twitter community and it was like a really small number where it was like yeah there's only like 10 percent of all the discussion on boxing twitter is by or sorry 90% of it is from like 10% of the users. Yeah, I think there's like, I don't know, 7% of uh, the American user base is active or something like that. Yeah. But that's, that's, those, those numbers can be skewed anyway. You know? Well, I skew well, a lot them to of people, fit my, my arguments. A, a lot of people don't want to talk up. Like I said, I'm not saying that this fucking, this is going to light the fucking that division on fire. I'm just saying I liked how they laid that out. Yeah, I, I just I am curious at um, whether or not it makes any difference because I like it. I personally really like it. I like to know where we're going. Like, let's say if um, if Spence was fighting Ugas and they just said uh, they just released. Actually, no, you couldn't exactly do it for Spence Ugas because like a guy like Spence is getting rematch classes on everybody. But like in, in, in hmm, what is a lower level fight? Okay, like. Um, rosario versus lubin that's a fight where you could just say like oh yeah and in december jamel charlo or no actually you could do september Jarrett Hurd fights the winner of rosario and lubin i think that'd be awesome yeah yeah but like i said again i'm repeating myself but i said sort of that's more the style that espinoza wants he's like let the people know what's gonna happen but you know, everyone's got their own idea of how to market fights, and some people don't want to commit like that. You know, well, that, some people are me, and I'm always yeah. right about this stuff. But, but I'm saying, yeah, because some people go, well, hey, if I win, now I got more options. So why am I going to get locked into a fight? You see the good and the bad of that too. You know, it's like why am I locking myself into a fight where if I win, I could have more options? And yeah, that's that's, that's, that's the other that's thing. That's why it's that's why it's tough to make these kind of things in boxing. Well, because now you're 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 doubling the trouble of negotiating two fights instead of one. Yeah, yeah. And, and as you can see with the Fury AJ fight, uh, how many times that fight's been signed? Well, or <laughs> so, how many so times they've agreed to it? Yeah, negotiating one fight signed. could be very difficult. I mean, yeah, that's a situation where you just the right hand doesn't know what the left hand is yeah. doing. I think they're on the fifteenth fucking agreement but, now that they've announced. All, all the luck to them, you know, we're, we're hoping for you, buddy. But, um, 
you guys are not making it easy for boxing fans to uh, take any of the ne- negotiations seriously. Yeah. Watch see, as I say this, mm-hmm. it'll be announced like official before <laughs> yeah. people actually listen to this. No, I don't know. That, that'll be really fucking. I don't think it's going to happen. But but see this, this is what's so an- interesting about how how Floyd basically operated, because he knew what fights to string along and what fights just to make because there was like no there there was no further buildup that you could get out of him you know like he knew that Manny fight is gonna just get bigger and he was right something like uh <laughs> he's not like Robert Guerrero he didn't string that one along he's like I'm gonna show time boom fight Robert Guerrero and then fighting Canelo you know he hit that one because he's like, oh, this is the right time to hit it. So it's, it's, and some promoters used to be able to do that. Top rank used to be kind of good at that. And they're not anymore, you know? Like as much as it's fun to goof on top rank, they were actually good at making big fights once upon a time. But now it's like they, they have no read on the thing. So yeah, it, it's, it's kind of tough. A lot of people have ideas, but to really sell a fight, it's really fucking difficult. And I don't know, it's just bizarre that how Floyd just seemed to have a really great sense at what people were going to do. Like, who the fuck would say that two fights with Madonna would sell? You know, let alone one. He struck while the iron was hot on that one. Yeah, it's like people are like, oh, Madonna, fucking, you know, he almost won that fight. It's like, okay, let's fucking rematch. You know, <laughs> yeah, it's just, it's just, yeah, when, when it, it's really fascinating that he sort of had the grasp on it once, you know, and of course he had a whole team and everything to sort of help him with that. It's not like he's just, you know, up there on the internet by himself, <laughs> fucking trends or something, you know, he put the work in, he had a whole team that would fucking test things with boxing fans engage interest you know so when people say again to tie this back to this whole jake paul boxers pay attention well why didn't they fucking say this about floyd because that's what floyd was doing floyd was testing the market reaction to proposed fights that whole amir khan madonna shit you know the, that's exactly he was feeding to the hype machine you know so here you had a guy who was not only uh paying attention to what people wanted he was successful at it and he wasn't bullshitting with fucking oh oh yeah we're real successful with his one new sub million dollar gate you know that the pauls put up you know it's like this dude is doing fucking people were laughing at 10 million dollar gates when he did the one against fucking birdo you know it's just like yeah i mean there's obviously levels to this but we all forget about that history and aren't putting it into perspective because it's got, you know, concert performances and, and great commentary that distracts you from the fact yeah. that, eh, yeah, this was not that impressive. No. Like I said, the, the best part about it was that fucking uh, rap stuff. You know, I like that. Yeah. Um, cool all right, let's talk about the forward. fights coming up this weekend. We have not much on the schedule, but we do have a f- uh, featherweight championship match between Emmanuel Navarrete and twice be in Christopher Diaz. Worth noting that Diaz's only losses have come to Shakur Stevenson and Masayuki Ito, who 
loss to Jamel Herring and Hironori Mishiro recently. Um, so, you looking forward to this one? Oh, come on. You know that. I know that you are. It doesn't really get me fired up. Never. It, you know, it's not. I'm all about Brandon Figueroa now. That's what I care about. <laughs> yeah. Boy band eyes. You know, he's got that sister. You know, he's he's really, you know, he's selling it for me. I, it, I, it's just like, all right. Maybe I'll watch it. Maybe I won't. You? Are you hyped? Um, not really. I I I don't mind Navarrete. I think he's developing into a bit of a better boxer. Um the the issue I have with him is that he occasionally looks very flat in fights and doesn't really look um like he's got a ton of ideas in the ring. But the issue is that Christopher Diaz, in my opinion, is just not that good. You know, I've seen him look so boring. I've seen him look so pedestrian in fights. And in the two fights where he fought an opponent that is like um, well-versed in winning fights, he just looked lost. And so I have no question that coming into this fight, Navarrete is going to demolish him. And, um, you know, Diaz's style is like, if I could call it this, it's a style where it's like, yeah, you're you're not as, you're just not as good as you think you are. And I just don't see this as a competitive fight. I could be wrong though, by the way. And that's the one thing that if you're going to take anything away from the podcast, um, we're giving an opinion of what we think is going to happen. But time and time again, fight predictions. we are proven wrong by matchmakers. And I have a ton of credit or um, respect for matchmakers because those guys, they can see things that um, all of us sitting at home don't see. They're yeah, not looking and- for <laughs> who's going to win the fight. They're looking for like, yeah, okay, yeah, we want Navarrete to win the fight, but who's going to give him a fight where you're going to be entertained? And we just saw on the Fox card that everyone wrote off Bryant Perella as a guy moving up from welterweight who wasn't going to be able to hold a candle to Tony Harrison. And what we actually got was while not like an action-packed fight in the traditional sense, you had a really compelling fight with the clash of styles that made for a, um, an interesting fight. So I think that there's totally a possibility here that there's something I'm missing while on paper. I don't think it's very interesting, this one. But at the same time, I'm willing to be shocked that you have these two featherweights in Navarrete and Diaz who are able to put on a good fight. Also, that doesn't mean it has to be competitive because good fights, th- th- those things aren't correlated. Yeah. Just like when Canelo beats the piss out of uh, some Euro trash dude. You know, they're not competitive. They're uh, I don't know about For that. Me. I was not entertained by the Callum Smith fight. I thought that fight was awful. I did. I loved it. I like to oh, see Canelo like loved it. As, yeah. a, as a fighter. I like to see him work his craft. But in terms of a fight, <laughs> did I enjoy what we saw, what we would call a fight in there? I, I don't give nah. a shit about Canelo's craft. I just like him. I like seeing him beat the piss out of these fucking UK dudes. I did, I'll watch that all day long. I might go you know. on it on Twitter about how shitty it is, but there's something part of me that'll never get tired of it. Because, you know, especially with that Callum Smith, because they're like, people are so up the ass of this WBSS. And it's like this 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 great showdown between Callum Smith and George Groves. Just like, oh my God, guys. You only knew. And, and it's like that's it. That's what Canelo is. He's the fucking he's 
the shock of reality hitting the boxing world in the face. Uh, but oh, back to Navarrete, it's just, yeah, like I don't, I sort of agree with you. It's like, yeah, you hear a lot about this guy, but it, I'm not really sold on him. You know, I don't know if there's something there or not. You know, I, I just, I just not sold on him. I, I think given the right opponent, Navarrete could put on a fire match given the right opponent. But thus far, we have not seen him in there with uh, a good opponent. I mean, actually, the Dog Bay fights, even though they were like kind of one-sided, those were good fights. Uh, but since then, they've given him some of the worst matchmaking in all of boxing. You know, Francisco DeVaca, was, that was a disaster. <laughs> Juan Elorde was just embarrassing. Not a big um, Santa Cena. And I actually think, <laughs> no, the fights that he did in Mexico were just like against super overmatched opponents. The J.O. Santissimo fight on the Wilder Fury 2 undercard, um, Navarrete, even though he got the stoppage, just looked bad. Even, like, I, I don't know. It's, it's crazy that he dominated that fight and still looked bad. Uh, <laughs> but but I've, I've said this, you know, I was there live, okay? I sat through all the undercard fights. There was literally, like, er, there was something off with at least one fighter in every single fight, including the main event, where Wilder just didn't look like himself. Um, but you saw with Navarrete, he didn't look like himself. Uh, Fundura didn't look like himself. Everyone was just a little off that night. Yeah. So I'm willing to give Navarrete the benefit of the doubt. Mm. It'll be interesting to see how he face how he fares against. Um, oh no, I I thought that Ruben Villa was like an okay level featherweight, and people were like super sold on the fact that he could outbox Navarrete and that didn't happen. Uh, it, if he couldn't outbox Navarrete, Chris Diaz certainly isn't. Uh, on the undercard is Edgar Berlanga, who is making waves with his uh, knockout streak. Um, <sighs> we'll see. We'll see. Thus far, Edgar Berlanga's fought the types of guys who come in to get knocked out. Yeah, and okay, so... So this this is what annoys me about this whole Berlanga stuff is it's just uh, I don't I don't I don't give a shit about memes to the point where now th they're funny again again there's a level if you want to keep them within reality but then people are like Berlanga people are running scared of him no, shut the fuck up you know it's like if if they actually gave a shit about him they would be putting him in with people that he could knock out in the first round. Well, look at Shakur Stevenson. Shakur Stevenson, um, in his 10th fight, you know, he was, he fought Christopher Diaz, who is now going to be the guy that Navarrete is fighting after 30 something odd fights. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that's the thing. And again, like you go back to, okay, Vito Melnicki, where you got this 18 year old, they're stepping him up and they're shaking him out. They're not shaking out Berlanga, you know? They're trying to keep this meme well, shit going. I don't blame them. They, they, they've got something going and it's going to catch on. I have no doubt about that. People are suckers for knockouts. They always have been, always will be. You could look at Mike Tyson. You could look at Deontay Wilder. You knock guys out. You bring people in. It's as simple as that. And right now, the, the build for Berlanga could not go any better. Yeah, but where is it building to? It's just building the bullshit on the fucking top ranks cards. Well, who cares? 
you cash him out if he's not good and if he is well then he wins a fight or a world he's title and yeah, you you got a star on your hands this is his 17th fight and he's still fucking they're still giving him guys he can knock out in one round like yeah. come on this yeah. is like fucking you know butterbean had a fucking tougher fucking road to the titles well i i mean the thing is they they have stumbled onto something and i don't anticipate that he's going to get somebody that um he can't knock out for quite a while. Yeah, but I just don't, I don't see this going anywhere. It's not like he's selling, you know, he's only selling to the people that pump up top rank and ESPN. He's not, he's, he's not selling to anyone, you know, um, that's how I feel. God damn it. <laughs> yeah. I, I think it's, it's, it's going to work. So, yeah, okay, yeah. But we're, we're split on that. You know, I just, I don't know that he's good. I'm not saying that. I don't. No, no. But I, I'm, I'm not making I'm, any no, assessment I, on that. I'm How not, could you? I'm not, I'm not talking to that point. I'm just saying is is I think is selling. I think this is we're in a bit of a crazy period. Just like Teofimo Lopez now thinking that he's the top guy in boxing. You know, congratulations! You got somebody to pay you the amount of money fucking AB was making on Showtime like fucking five years ago. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> true. Point. True. <laughs> Um, all right. Well, we will wrap it up here. So if you, um, a couple of things, moment, so I had to say that whole, uh, face off between Cambosis and Geo because Cambosis is really going to go at him. How do you not bring up the Tio's crying all the fucking time? You know, dude crying because uh, it's his girlfriend. He's crying because he forgot the pin on his bank card. Motherfucker's crying all over, over everything. He's he's emotional. They're busy talking about their shoes. Jesus. <laughs> um, if you like the podcast, uh, you know what to do. Make sure you hit that subscribe. We have another podcast, or well, another podcast feed with a variety of different types of episodes. But part of them are long form narrative episodes. We just did one on the HBO run of Seth Mitchell. And just what a wild ride that was to be in the pre-Deontay Wilder, uh, current Klitschko domination era of the heavyweight division. It was a wild time, Fred. I'm sure you remember the... Um, I didn't know, remember who Seth Mitchell was. Is that the guy who used to play football at Michigan State? Correct. Oh, see, there you go. Then I do know who he was. Yeah. yeah do you yeah, remember it, how desperate oh, yeah. everyone was to, to like <laughs> yeah. just hype up any American prospect? Yeah. If uh, it's sort of like if you guys really want to go back into HBO pump time, uh, baby Joe Macy. No, nobody remembers that. You could barely even remember Seth Mitchell, but it, no. I, I guess, but, but, but it's similar. Yeah. People were like, you know, Oh, when they, when they, they got a fucking heavyweight, you know, they're like a dog with a bone because <laughs> heavyweights will sell, you know, uh, you get them. Yeah. And so, yeah. And I, and I went over that, the, the, the short, the short run of Seth Mitchell and he flew a little too close to the sun very, very quickly. Yeah. Uh, it's a lot of fun though. It's gotten some great reviews. So go to patreon.com slash Sunday puncher. It's just a dollar at a minimum and you get access $1. to all kinds of stuff. Plus you get access to our chat, which has all types of wild things in it. Um, we also we launched a store. Oh yeah. Which I will put in the notes because I'm not going to say the link here because I it's something, but I'll put it in the notes. If you want to get a T-shirt, Sunday Puncher themed T-shirt, you could go head over to do that. And if you don't, um, that's fine too. 
But also one other thing, a new podcast has just launched that I think you guys should subscribe. It is a different type of boxing podcast, which is more of the freak show element of boxing that is on the lower club circuit. This is called the Tim Box AO podcast. You should definitely subscribe to that one or and follow him on Twitter, Tim Box AO, which is like one of the wildest things to follow if you are a boxing fan and like to see just WTF moments across all across the globe um, related to boxing. So, Fred, anything else? Did I forget anything? Uh, well, I'd say, let's say a couple of things in closing. I'm going to use my Tom minutes here. One, <laughs> it's only a dollar to hear some of this Patreon stuff, which is less than the Ring magazine, and we actually put stuff out on time, unlike the Ring magazine. Two, that slap <laughs> fighting... <laughs> That slap fighting thing on Triller was fucking horrible. It's embarrassing to slap fighting. You want to see slap fighting, uh, go to YouTube and look what the Russian dudes are doing. That's real slap fighting. These guys will fucking break open cuts on guys' faces with their slaps. You know, not that bullshit that was going on last night. That, that, that's, that was fucking trash slap fighting, you know. That was bitch slap fighting. Who would have known? Fred, connoisseur of slap fighting. All right. Well, I, you know where I first saw it? From Tim uh, Box Day. Oh, okay. <laughs> Just like uh, RJ uh, exposing me to the Polish full armor night fighting. In- Yo, I've. Do you, oh, speaking of that, okay. Have you ever heard of. Um, Frank Warren's like knockout boxing series that he did? Where the, the so in a boxing match the time goes up, you know it goes zero seconds and <laughs> oh, one yeah, second. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I kind of remember that. Frank yeah. Warren did one where it's just like, all right, your check is dependent on how fast this fight goes. So we're gonna start you off with 15 minutes. The lower the timer goes down, the less money you get. And uh, there was a short-lived series. Uh, who knew that trying to <laughs> put a time limit on knockouts would result in actually worse boxing. Oh, God. And that type of uh, pay arrangement is illegal in the United States. Well, of course. That's why they did it in the UK, duh. The UK, yeah. Yeah, I'm just saying. So if you're trying to, you know, revive that idea. It's yeah, not- if, if if somebody was just like about to call their rich friend and say, hey, want to finance a great idea I've got? Just know you're probably breaking the law. Yeah, uh, but maybe try to sell it to Triller because apparently they'll buy fucking near anything right now. So. Um. Anything that will give them another metric that they can just bullshit on, they're gonna buy. So, you know, anything else uh, for no. from the uh, the final thoughts of one Fred? Okay, well, guys, I, think we I hope you got pretty good for uh, for not having much to talk about. So, yeah, yeah, there wasn't too much going on. Um, I mean, obviously, the Showtime announcement was hit big, and we could have spent a whole hour going over that, but we've already but done that on a podcast. Yeah, yeah so. Did. No need to beat you guys over the head with um, the same podcast twice. So I hope you guys enjoyed this one. Uh, Oh, and this is going to be the first podcast in a long time that is going on YouTube. We have the reason why the podcast, if anybody's still listening and cares about this, the reason why we're not on YouTube is because we use real music and YouTube does not fuck with real music. They will take you down. They won't even let you upload because they scan your video and they 
they are able to detect if you have copyrighted material. So we aren't even getting past that, right? So now, um, with the Tim Boxdale podcast, as I'm involved with it, you know, I wasn't telling you guys to listen to it because I love Tim, even though I do. I'm telling Ooh, you with that because I'm involved. your conflict of interest? It's not a conflict Holy of interest, buddy. Fuck, I'm, I, I'm not conflicted here. whatsoever about it. Fucking Chris Mannix here. But like, you know... I'm trying to do it. You know, I, I've learned a lot over the course of the, the the years in doing a podcast. And I was like, we're going to do this the right way. Well, I figure we should probably do things the right way on our podcast, which means no more uh, <laughs> no more illegal music, none of that stuff. We're going to do things the right way, non-copyrighted music, so we can go back on YouTube. And I just can't wait to hear the to read the YouTube comments where we get cooked. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, we've... <laughs> I've been amazed at how anti-promotion we've been, you know? Uh, I mean, I am, I'm just like, like that in general, you know? Like we had so many avenues that we could have just fucking flooded, you know, the Reddit, you know, since you built that fucking place. Well, I mean, we could just tweet our, like we could tweet literally at the bare minimum tweet every time we do an episode. We don't even do that. We don't, no. I think I tweet more about it than you. Yeah, well... You make jokes and you know they're good jokes, but like in terms of like, oh hey, everybody listen, new episode. We don't we don't do that. Yeah, no, it's true. Yeah. So yeah. Uh but yeah, that's coming soon. That is exciting. It's a little bit more work, but we can do that. I only need one song though. Oh well that's that's the other thing. This <laughs> we may have to change it a couple of times, but like deciding which song we're gonna use on that non-copyrighted material. Uh yeah, that will be the tricky we'll part. We'll talk because I just stumbled across something that, you know, might. He's going to send me the chicken wing beat that. or something. I know it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Thanks so much for listening. Um, appreciate it. And we will be back very soon. Oh, we have an episode coming out on the Patreon. Fred, I think you're going to have to come on for this one. I asked okay. people to send in hot takes, and we're just going to rate and discuss how spicy the takes we get are. Ooh, I'll, I'll be on that yeah, for sure. And uh, there, there were some scorchers that I saw. There was some, there was a lot that I was like, all right, all right, that's that's. But then I saw one. I was like, whoa, buddy, you need to. Uh, I don't even know if I can read this on the air. <laughs> that definitely sounds something I need to be on. All right. Well, thanks for listening, guys. Thank you. <laughs>